guess it's time. That's all right. That's all right. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. And uh, this uh, Christmas season and the uh, the tree that was decorated last week after the uh, luncheon looks beautiful. And uh, I want to thank everyone that took part in that and those that took part in in getting it and setting it up and those that decorated, etc. And uh, God is good. And it's amen. And it's a it's so good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, we have a number of announcements, a lot of them relating to the uh, the Christmas season and the uh, uh, candlelight service on Christmas Eve, etc. And uh, so we invite you to participate in in those services and fellowship with with uh, one another. Uh, do we have any? I know Ian has an announcement. Uh, does anyone else have any an, an announcement to make this morning? Yes, Diane. Read the word for baby yarn. All right. <laughs> Allison, uh, Anita? Anybody can help out with the food pantry. No, I mean, what's that? Okay. Okay. If if you if you need food or know anybody that has a need, please. We have plenty of food, and that's a that's a good thing, and we want to give it away. So let's see if we can let's see if we can do that. Ian. Miranda and I are really excited about the Christmas season. Um, we're planning on hosting our second annual uh, open house uh, next door at the Parsonage a week from today. So next Sunday evening from 4 till it ends, 7 or 8-ish maybe. So feel free to, to stop by. We'd love to have you. Miranda's making food, and she would love for people to bring sides and things so if if you'd like to do that talk to her snack snack type stuff so it'll be a, a sort of grazing buffet style so we'd love to have you um, come celebrate the season with us next Sunday for starting at four open house love to have you thank you all right <coughs> Let's open this morning, uh, this morning's service with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can be in your house today, and 
we think of how cold it is outside and and we think of maybe those that are, don't have a place to stay and we're just so thankful for how you've blessed each one of us and we thank you that we can be here this morning that we can fellowship with other believers and pray that you'd watch over those that are not able to be here this morning for whatever reason possibly through illness or we know so many people are so many illnesses and sickness going on around us and uh, we pray that you'd uh, just bring those that are not here today back to us soon we pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to those around us maybe to those that that uh, uh, aren't that don't normally come to church we pray that you would help us to uh, be an encouragement to them that they might uh, join our fellowship and uh, we just thank you this morning for our salvation through your son jesus we pray that you'd watch over our service this morning we pray that you would speak through Ian and that uh, we would hear your word today. We pray that you would help us, that we would be blessed from being here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning will be found in Psalm 146. If you'd like to follow along with me, that would be uh, page number 492 in your in your pew bible if you'd like to follow along psalm 146 praise the lord praise the lord O my soul i will praise the lord as long as i live i will sing praises to my god while i have my being put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord, and may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. And if you would turn now to number uh, 251 uh, in your uh, blue hymn book, we'll stand and sing number uh, 251, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And let's sing, let's sing one, two, and four. One, two, and four.
Ushers, come forward uh, for the morning offering, please. Uh, we, uh, we are not doing the doxology. That's right, at the end. Luther, would you pray, please? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, all we thank thee for all that you do and all that you are. We give back, Lord, only a portion that you allow us to have in the first place. It is all yours, but we are so freely and greatly give back. Please help us use it in your favor, by your way, by your will. And we pray all this in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. This is now the third third Sunday in our season of Advent. Advent means arrival. It means coming. And so in the season of Advent, we're anticipating the coming of Christ. And so part of what we're doing is counting down the weeks towards Christmas and remembering Christ's first coming, God coming in the form of a man, in a baby in the manger, Jesus Christ. And the other part of what we're doing is anticipating that not only has Christ come once, but that Christ will come again. And so what I'd like to read this morning for our, our Advent scripture reading is Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, that's page 557 in your pew Bibles, if you want to follow along, along there. And this is a passage where the prophet Isaiah is looking forward to the time when, when the Messiah will come, when God will come, and when he will restore 
all things. And so he's looking forward to a future period of, of peace. So let's, I'm going to read Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make the firm and make firm the feeble knees say to those who have an anxious heart be strong fear not behold your god will come with vengeance with the recompense of god he will come and save you the, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen? Amen? All this will come at the coming of the Lord. Aiden, would you, would you light our three candles as we're counting down the weeks to Christmas? Thank you, Aiden. And now, uh, would you uh, stand and sing with me, number 245, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we'll sing all four verses of number 245. Rants. 
singing. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And that's the name given to Christ at his first coming, that in the baby in the manger, this is actually God coming near, God coming down to earth, God coming after us, we who run from him. And we can sing that song on two horizons, O come, O come, Emmanuel, thinking Jesus, come the first time, which he already has, but also in the second horizon thinking, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come again, Lord Jesus. Come again, God, with us and dwell with us forever. We're going to take some time now to go to the Lord together in prayer. Jesus, God, with us, he who has come down to us has made a way for us now to go to him and to go to the Lord together in prayer. So that's what we're going to do. Our God and our Father, we come to you this morning because you have come after us. We come to you because you have come to us in Jesus, God with us. And you have bid us come to you. And so we come. We acknowledge you are God, the mighty maker of the heavens and the earth. You are our strength and our song. And through Christ you have, been, you have become our salvation. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy house. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your home, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. 
you, O Lord, will reign forever. We praise you, God. And as we come to you in praise, admiring all that you are, we also come acknowledging that we fall far short of your glory, that in our hearts and minds and our actions this week that we've sinned and done wrong. Either consciously or unconsciously, we acknowledge, Lord, we've turned aside from you, your commandments and your rules. We haven't listened to your word or to your son as we ought to have. And so we, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we confess our sins to you, asking that you'd forgive us in the name of Jesus. Let's take a moment to silently confess our sins to God. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. We praise you and we thank you, Father, for the forgiveness we can have in Jesus' name, that through him, Emmanuel, God with us, Lord Jesus, by your death and by your resurrection, you've earned for us forgiveness and eternal life. And so we lean on you, we trust in you this morning, asking that your death would be ours, that our sins would be dead with Christ and that we would be raised with him in his resurrection. We pray your blessing over us as we, as we move through the hustle and the bustle of Christmas and all the busyness and uh, the, the parties are beginning and presents are, are being given away and purchased and can be overwhelming. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to rejoice in Jesus through this season that you would put our hearts at rest and at peace in him and uh, that we would remember uh, what this season is about and that our celebration would start with the celebration of Christ and would overflow into joy in, in the cakes and pies and eggnog. Um, we pray, Lord, that you'd be at work among us this morning, that you'd speak to us in your word, that you would um, inhabit the praises of your people. We pray that you'd meet each of us just where we are this morning, that you'd speak a word to us that we need to hear. You'd encourage us where we need to be encouraged. You'd convict us where, you, where we need to be convicted. And that you'd heal the broken. You'd uplift the weary. That you'd convict the proud. Or that you'd be at work in each of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
And if you would at this time stand together and open the green folder in front of you, first to number 32, how blessed is the one. to number 205 in Christ alone. Cease, my comforter, my 
returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. You may be seated. Thank you. fullness of God and helpless babe. That's what this season is about. That's what Christmas is about. You can open with me in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to camp out this morning. Luke 1 and beginning in verse 46. It's page 804 in your pew Bibles if you're using that. We're going to look this morning at the Song of Mary. Yesterday, uh, we had a, well, Nora had a pretty long day. We all did. We had a family Christmas party most of the day, and by the afternoon we were exhausted. Uh, but Miranda had to go out and do party part two. She went to the Camp Fairhaven Christmas fundraiser party, and, and Nora and I stayed home and sat on the couch and watched a movie. And we watched um, what is my favorite version of the Robin Hood story, the 1973 animated version uh, of Robin Hood, which is a wonderful story, and it's a story which has had so many iterations in books and in movies it's, uh, it's evergreen. It seems relevant in almost every generation. And, and I think it's because the underlying premise is something we can identify with deeply. So it, what's the premise of Robin Hood? The premise of Robin Hood is that the good king has gone away. The good king has gone away, right? King Richard's off to fight in the Crusades. And, and Prince John is reigning, and he's a tyrant, he's a wicked king, and the people are suffering under him. Right? And the longing of Robin Hood and the merry men is to see the tyrant prince put down and the good king to return. Right? And throughout the movie, they'll, they'll say any number of, um, of things about Prince John right? and say, and long live King Richard. Right? We want the king to come. And there's something I, I think we, that we can easily identify with about that. We feel that longing on some level with a, like on the political level, when we, we have someone we're really behind. It's like, when they, when, if they're in power, things will really go well. And how disappointing is that most of the time? But I think we identify with that longing because on a deeper, more cosmic level, we all long for the return of the king. Because fundamentally what's wrong with this world is what went wrong back in the garden when our first parents, Adam and Eve, turned from their God, their king, and were cast out of the presence of the good king. Said, we don't want your rule anymore. We want to do it our way. And ever since then, the world has been under the curse of sin. Our lives, our hearts, our nations, 
are in this eternal winter, unending winter of sin. There's something deeply wrong with the world, and what we long for more than anything else, whether we know it or not, is for the return of the king. It's to know God again, and for the king to come back and to make all that's wrong right. For the king to come and to make all things new. And that's actually what we celebrate in Christmas. At Christmas, what we celebrate is the coming of the king. Not just the king of England, the king of the world. At Christmas, what we celebrate is that there's not just a cute baby in the manger, there's a king in the manger, that the king has come, our God has come. And we remember, too, that our, our king is coming again. What we're going to look at this morning is Mary's song. It should be familiar to you. Mary's song in Luke chapter 1. Mary, Jesus' mother, in conversation with her cousin Elizabeth, they're, they're celebrating the reality of all that's happening. Not too long previous, it had been announced to Mary, you're going to have a son Verse 30 of Luke 1, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The announcement of Christmas is the announcement of the coming of the king. And what we're going to look at this morning is verses 46 through 56 here, where Mary, Jesus' mother, there's plenty of reason to rejoice just over the fact that she's bearing a child, celebrates not so much the birth of a baby, but the coming of her king. And as Mary rejoices, overflows with joy at this Christmas announcement, my prayer is that we too would overflow with joy this Christmas season as we look to the coming of the King. Let's read the passage together and then we'll pray. Luke 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd speak to us this morning as we look here at Mary's song, which you inspired on her heart and on her lips by your Holy Spirit. 
And we pray that in Mary's joy, we would rejoice. And as we look to Jesus, the coming King, our hearts would be filled with joy this Christmas season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At Christmas, we rejoice in the coming of the King. Not every Christmas is as joyful as another. Each of us, dependent on the circumstances of our life, may be looking at this Christmas season with great joy and anticipation, and many of us may be looking forward to the Christmas season with a sense of trepidation. That maybe this is a Christmas of great grief for you, or maybe this is a Christmas where it feels like everything's falling apart. And on Christmases like that, Christmas doesn't always appear like a joy (laughs) looking at it from far off. It can feel like, oh, this is just going to be salt on the wound. As we begin to look at Mary's song this morning, I want to encourage you. Mary's rejoicing in joy here in the middle of one of the most difficult years of her life, her young life. She's probably a teenager, 15, 16, which is adulthood in her day. She's engaged to be married, not married yet. Engagement was a a firmer contract in these days than it is in ours. They were legally bound together, but they were not married yet. And now it's come out that Mary's pregnant and not by her future husband. And this is a great shame. We're not given the details, but we can only begin to imagine what Mary's life must have looked like in terms of her relationship with her friends and neighbors and what they must have been saying to her and behind her back. And on top of that, she's a young woman experiencing pregnancy for the first time, going through all the, all the fears of bearing a child, for a time at least, not even sure that her husband's going to, st- her fiance is going to stick around with her. He considers divorcing her. We'll look at that next week. Mary is in a season of great unrest this is not necessarily the most joyful Christmas of her life in terms of her life circumstances but in the midst of all of this chaos we don't hear Mary complaining what we see Mary doing is looking to God and if we're going to rejoice this Christmas whatever circumstances we may find ourselves in Final, lasting, firm, durable joy is not going to be found if we root our joy in presence or eggnog. Final, lasting joy is rooted by looking to God. And the rest of it will overflow from there. So what does Mary do? Verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. She looks to God and she says, Look how great God is. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary's eyes are fixed firmly on God. And she says, I'm just overflowing with joy at what God has done. What has God done? First, she rejoices because God's eyes on the humble. God's eyes on the humble. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary looks at her circumstances, 
She has an inkling of what's going on. She's heard the announcement of the angel. I'm going to bear a child, and he's the king, the everlasting king, the promised king, God with us, the Messiah long promised to the people. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in her, and she gets it, and she looks to God, and she says, he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. She looks at the grandeur of all that's happening, and she says, I'm I'm not worthy of this. I'm just Mary from a little backwater town in a little backwater province in Galilee. Not even married yet. And here the king is come to me. He has looked on the humblest state of his servant. How like God to do it like this? He could have sent his son, the king, into the world anywhere, <laughs> to anyone. We might expect Jesus to be born of, of a great king, right, of a great princess, right? Maybe in the halls of Rome or something, in the halls of princes and kings. And yet the baby's born to Mary and laid when he's finally born in a feeding trough because the houses were full he has looked on the humblest state of his servant Mary has reason to rejoice in the coming of the king because when the king came his eye was on the humble he didn't come to the great ones he didn't come to the proud ones he came to the humble. And this picture of God coming to Mary, God, God's eye being on humble Mary, is a picture of, of how Christ came in his first coming. Mary reflects later in this song in, in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary realizes that what's going on in the coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of Scripture. She recognizes God is finally keeping his promises to his people, which he's made across time. And just as Jesus is coming to humble Mary, he's also coming to humble Israel. God's people in this time were not living in glory and splendor. They were a people subject to the tyrannical empire Rome. Israel was a shadow of its former self, a shadow of its former glory. And to this people who had waited in, in darkness for long years, now the king has come. Verse 48, he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary applies this to herself, but it might as well be applied to Israel. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. He's seen his people in humility, and he's answered. He's come. His eye is on the humble. But Mary realizes that this king is not just coming to her, but that in coming to her, he's coming for all the humble. Notice verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled 
the hungry with good things. That when this king comes, when Jesus comes, it's the humble who are lifted up. It's the hungry who are filled. The great payoff at the end of Robin Hood is when the king comes. <laughs> right? Richard returns. And, and everyone's fates are reversed, right? The proud, haughty, tyrannical Prince John, at the end of the cartoon anyways, he's, he's on a, in a chain gang breaking rocks, <laughs> along with Sir Hiss and his, his henchmen. And Robin Hood and his merry band, right, who'd been hiding in the woods, right, they're elevated, right, given a place of honor. The proud cast down, the humble exalted. This is, a, this is a picture of what, what Christ does in his coming. He lifts up the humble. He brings down the proud. We ought to be careful to define humility, though. What sort of humility does God respond to? Mary's very specific in verse 50. His mercy, God's mercy, God's blessing in the coming of the king is for who? It's for those who fear him from generation to generation. True humility is found in our relationship with God. True humility is defined by fear of God. Fear not in terms of fear of punishment, but fear in terms of a correct honoring and respecting of, of who God is. True fear of God is treating God like he's God having an adequate sense of who he is and who we are. And Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation, as opposed to, verse 51, he's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Humble, lifted up, proud, cast down. This is the picture of what happens at the coming of Christ. And Mary rejoices in this. She rejoices that his eyes on the humble, and he casts down the proud. Now, even on a carnal level, isn't this what we long for? Don't we see people hungry and hurting and mourning and in pain, and we say, Lord, how long? When will you restore them? How long will you allow this to go on? And we see the proud exalted. We see those who boast get their way. We see the rich take advantage of the poor, and we say, how long, O oh Lord, how long will you allow this to happen? And our hearts cry out at injustice in the world at the way things are, and we say, Lord Jesus, when will you come? When will you come? And Mary rejoices, here he is. Here's the king. The king has come. But we should understand, you could actually be poor and humble in earthly circumstances and still be consumed by pride. It's possible to have nothing and still be proud before God. To have nothing and still to shake your fist at your creator. Say, I'll have nothing to do with you. I'll do it my way. And at Christ's return, those proud will be cast down too. Pride and humility are not finally, ultimately, about what's in your wallet. Pride and humility are finally, ultimately, about your posture towards God. 
And as Mary says, his mercy is for those who fear him. The irony of the kingdom is that in order to be lifted up, you have to get low. And that if you exalt yourself, you'll be brought down. When the king comes, the proud are brought down and the humbler exalted. Christ is coming again. Here's the question. When he comes, when the king comes, will he find you proud or will he find you humble? Will he find you proud or will he find you humble? Will he find you still shaking your fist at God in your sins saying, I'll do it my way? Or will he find you humble on your knees saying, hail to the king. I've sinned against you. Lord, would you forgive me? I have nothing to offer you. Notice Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him. We all need God's mercy. We've all sinned against him. We're all reliant on his mercy. And Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him. Those who will confess their sins, turn from their old ways and bow before the king. Mercy. For those who are still in their sins, for those who continually shake their fist at God, they will be brought down. This is Mary's joy. His eye is on the humble, and he casts down the proud. Finally, his eye is on the humble, he casts down the proud, and he's faithful to his promises. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. We've already said Mary recognizes that what's happening in her womb is the fulfillment of the promises of long years. Mary recognizes that after long years of waiting on God, he's finally proven faithful, and this is her joy. God's been faithful to his promises in sending a Savior. He's been faithful to come once. He will be faithful to come again. And this too can be our joy. Even as we wait through the long winter of the curse of sin, as we wait for the coming of the king, we can know that God is faithful. Christ has promised he will come again. And this is our joy. That the king is coming. The king has come, and the king is coming. His eye is on the humble. He will uplift them. Forgive them by his blood. He casts down the proud. And he's faithful to his promises. We have reason to rejoice this Christmas in spite of all that is wrong with the world, in spite of all that is wrong with our lives, because we have a hope that will not fail, a hope that the King is coming, that Christ is coming again. All hail King Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we ask that you'd help us to root our joy in something which will not fail, in a foundation that will not give way. 
that this Christmas season our joy would be rooted in the coming of the King, in the coming of Jesus, and that with Mary we would celebrate the kingdom of God which has, which has come and which will one day come in full. We long for that day, Lord God, where you will scatter the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, bring down the mighty from their thrones, and exalt those of humble estate. We pray that as we wait, that we would wait in joy, rejoicing in, in our firm faith in the King of Kings. Point us to Jesus, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Praise God from whom all
still not 